governor answered and said to them, Which of the two do you want me to release? And they said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, well, What then shall I do with Jesus, who's called Christ? They all said, Let him be crucified. God sends his son into this world. Let him be crucified. It's sobering just to read it. And he said, Why? What evil has he done? But they kept shouting all the more, saying, Let him be crucified. When Pilate saw that he was accomplishing nothing, but rather that a riot was starting, he took water and washed his hands in front of the multitude, saying, Well, I'm innocent of this man's blood. See to that yourselves. You can't wash away guilt with water. Welcome to Abide in the Word with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Today we continue in our study of the Gospel of Matthew. Pastor Scott brings a message titled, Innocence Betrayed. We invite you to follow along with us now as we get started. Have you found any flaw in Jesus? His enemies couldn't. His enemies, Pilate said repeatedly, I find no guilt in him. Jesus said to his adversaries, which one of you convicts me of sin? I wouldn't say that to the friendliest crowd. But I certainly wouldn't say it to those who were, you know. But he was, he's, and what, what they came up with? Uh, don't we rightly say you're demon-possessed and are a Samaritan? That was like the N-word to them. I mean, it was just like a racial slur. And that's all they could come up with. And neither were true, of course, but... He didn't even dignify that with a response. Now, his friends confessed his innocence. His enemies confessed his innocence. The Roman centurion, after Jesus died, remember what he said? Certainly, this man was innocent. Luke 23, verse 47. And here you have Judas saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. But they said, look at the rest of verse 4. They said, what is that to us? See to that yourself. They could care less. Don't depend in the time of crisis, by the way, on fellow Christ rejectors. They don't care. You're hurting. You feel bad. What is that to us? We've already paid you. Um, he felt remorse. So verse 5, he threw the pieces of silver into the sanctuary and departed, and he went away and hanged himself. Make no mistake, Peter, I mean Judas, excuse me, felt remorse. He felt regret, but there was no real repentance. There is a repentance real repentance, godly repentance, 2 Corinthians 7 says, that leads to life. Paul summarizes his whole ministry in Acts 20 when he says, I went about proclaiming to Jews and Greeks alike, anybody and everybody, repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. When there is real repentance, you find life. But there is another kind of repentance. Look over there, 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Just, uh, I want you to see it. Verse 10. The sorrow that is according to the will of God produces a 
repentance without regret leading to salvation. But the sorrow of the world produces death. So he, uh, he felt remorse and he went out and hung himself. Um, sorrow, even deep sorrow, is not equivalent to repentance. Many false ones are sorry. A lot of people are sorry they got caught. A lot of people are sorry for the mess they've made of things. Maybe you are sorry, man, I regret that, man, because it's made a mess of your life, because sin does that. Or you're sorry for the consequences. Uh, that's Judas. He's feeling remorse, but it leads to what? Suicide. Suicide. Uh, by the way, Jesus said of this very man, it would have been better for that man to have never been born. People say, I'm going to escape it all. Oh, no, you won't. No. It's appointed unto man once to die, and after this comes judgment. Judgment. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Suicide won't atone for your sins. Uh, Self-infliction of pain or anything. No, no. Don't think that way. Uh, I'll leave it there. Verse 6. The chief priest took the pieces of silver and said, It's not lawful to put them into the temple treasury since it's the price of blood. All of a sudden, these legalists are worried about what's legal and lawful as they're betraying or glad to pay off somebody to seize and crucify the Son of God. Oh, but now they say, oh, wait a minute, we can't take this. It's not lawful to put it into the church coffers because uh, it's the price of blood. Every step of the way is an amazing story of man's nature and God's nature, by the way. Verse 7, they counseled together, and with the money they bought the potter's field as a burial place for strangers. For this reason, that field has been called the field of blood to this day. Then that which was spoken through Jeremiah the prophet was fulfilled, saying, They took the thirty pieces of silver, the price of the one whose price had been set by the sons of Israel, and they gave them for the potter's field as the Lord directed them. Even in this, Christ's enemies are fulfilling prophecies that God wrote down centuries earlier. Well, now Jesus stood before the governor, verse 11, and the governor questioned him, saying, Are you the king of the Jews? Are you the king of the Jews? I don't think he looked too kingly at this point. Look back, because it's been a week since we looked at it. Glance back to chapter 26, verse... uh, 67. What do you think? They answered. He's deserving of death. Then they spat in his face and beat him with their fists, and others slapped him. And they, prof- and they said, Prophesy to us, you Christ, who is the one who hit you? He's standing there. He's been pummeled with their fists, slapped around, spit upon, spittle dripping down his face. You? The king of the Jews, you can hear 
the sarcasm and the disgust as uh, the governor said, you're the king of the Jews. And it looks to me like Pilate never missed an opportunity to kind of grind Israel down. You know, so this is your king. You're the king of the Jews. Jesus said to him, it is as you say. Very clear answer, by the way. He is the king of the Jews. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. Uh, well, while he was being accused, verse 12, by the chief priests and the elders, he made no answer. Then Pilate said to him, Do you not hear how many things they testify against you? And he did not answer him with regard to even a single charge, so that the governor was quite amazed. Pilate was blown away by this. You know, um, just as Jesus' words would amaze people, remember that? When he finished the Sermon on the Mount back in chapter 7, they were amazed at what he'd said. He spoke with authority, not like the scribes and Pharisees. And today, I still, I love it when someone really reads the Word of God and listens to it and the amazement that sets in. Don't you? When you read God's Word and hear what Jesus said, he spoke like no man ever spoke. They were amazed at his words. Now, Pilate is amazed at his silence. Jesus' very presence is remarkable. Uh, they sent, remember in John 7, they sent officers to arrest him. And these guys, they just did what they were told, and they knew how to arrest people. And they came back without him, and they said, why didn't you bring him? And they're the ones who said, never did a man speak the way this man spoke. And many men, by the way, who have been, who've sent themselves even on a mission, maybe some of you, decided, I'm going to prove why this Jesus isn't what he's cracked up to be. And you've read his life. And if you haven't, if you're a skeptic, I would say, listen to his words. But many who set out to show that he's just another man have been humbled by his words. And some of the great Christians of history were once skeptics who just heard his word. And by the way, I often, people ask me, you know, uh, what, what should they read? And if you're a skeptic, let me just encourage you to read the Bible. But I would encourage you to read the life of Jesus. You say, where? Well, Matthew, we're in. Mark, Luke, John. And you say, well, I don't even believe it's God's word. I didn't ask you to believe it's God's word. Just read it. Just listen to this man. And uh, I believe you're going right to the source. You're going right to the issue. You see, the issue isn't what some church does or the hypocrisy of that group of Christians or all the things, the smoke screens that people put up. No, the issue is that God sent his son to this world. And never did a man speak the way he spoke. Never did a man live the way he lived. He went about doing good and helping people. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father but through him. And you do yourself a favor by looking at him and listening to him. Well, Pilate was amazed at his silence. And by the way, 
His silence, of course, was prophesied. He'll be, Isaiah wrote, about 700 and some years before Jesus came. When he writes that great description, here's another place I encourage people to read. You say, why would I believe the Bible? Well, one reason I believe the Bible is that it has these amazing prophecies in it. You say, well, it's confusing. I don't know where to start. Just go read Isaiah 53. Just read the chapter. Written 700 and some years B.C., before Christ. And it's this beautiful description of this one who bore our sins in his body and was led like a lamb that is silent before its shears to slaughter. Isaiah 53, 7. Well, verse 15. Now at the feast, the governor was accustomed to release for the multitude any one prisoner whom they wanted. He had kind of this custom. At the feast of the Passover, it's a big deal for the Jews, so I'll throw them a piece of meat, you know, every, every year. It was his custom to release for the multitude any one prisoner whom they wanted. And they were holding at that time a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. When therefore they were gathered together, Pilate said to them, whom do you want me to release for you? Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ. For he knew that because of envy, they had delivered him up. I, uh, I'll give Pilate this much credit. I think he wanted to release Jesus. And I, thought, and I think he thought that they probably would. And uh, he knew he was innocent. He says it about five times in these scenes. You put the texts together. I find no guilt in him. I find no guilt in him. He knew he was innocent, but he was a coward, Pilate was. And uh, he's going to, we know the story, he's going to let the mob rule out of fear. But I think he thought for sure they'll pick Jesus. I mean, Barabbas? Barabbas was a rebel rouser. He was a robber, we're told, in John's gospel. He was a murderer, we're told, in Luke's gospel. And uh, he, I'm sure he thought, well, because he knew, look at verse 18. He knew that because of envy, what did it mean envy? Well, the Jewish leaders were envious of Jesus' popularity. And so Pilate thought, well, who do you want me to release? And I think he thought, well, the polls are saying this guy's pretty popular, even though they're delivering up because of envy. So who do you want me to release? And I'm pretty sure he thought that they would release uh, Jesus and execute the one who deserved it. But he, wasn't, he didn't realize how fickle, how fickle the human heart really is. Hosanna, Hosanna. They'd just been saying, you know, last Sunday. But by now, verse 19, while he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent to him, saying, have nothing to do with that righteous man. For last night I suffered greatly in a dream because of him. Yeah, interestingly enough, interjected into the text right here, yet another testimony to Jesus' identity. An unlikely source, huh? Pilate's wife. Look at it. 
While he's sitting there on the judgment seat, his wife sent a note to him. Oh, Mrs. Pilate's got something for you. She can get through to the governor. And she said, have nothing to do with that righteous man. Even Pilate's wife. We already saw his friends, his enemies, the Pilate, you know. And I ask you again, have you found any flaw in Jesus? Oh, I don't like the way Christians... I didn't ask that. I'm asking about Jesus. Don't get distracted. I've talked to hundreds and hundreds of people individually. I talk to people like this all the time. And I, I've never found someone who has a real issue with Jesus. I remember one of the few times I made a bargain with a guy in this way. He said, I asked him to read the Gospel of John, and he said, I'll read the Gospel of John if you'll read a book. And I said, well, and I stupidly said I would. You know, and I don't do that typically. But he said he wanted me to read Bertrand Russell's Why I'm Not a Christian. So I thought, I'll give it a read. I've heard of him, and you know. And I was amazed, this world-known and philosopher and intellect and atheist, you know, of yesteryear, uh, I was, it was a pathetic, pathetic argument why I'm not a Christian. I thought I'd at least have some issues I might have to deal with. This is Bertrand Russell writing. Uh, don't bother with the book, by the way. But he, 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 it was just like he, he had no, he could not find a flaw in Jesus. So he took up the, the Roman church's birth control position. I thought, well, that's, that's not Jesus. And he took up, I remember, the only thing he said about Jesus is, well, he didn't know everything because he said he didn't know when he was coming back. And I just thought, well, at this point, you know. So I got back with the guy, and uh, he'd read John, you know, and I'd read my book, and we talked. It didn't go anywhere. Uh, don't make those trades, by the way. Just tell people to read John. Don't bother with their books. I'm just teasing. You do what you like. But uh, this gal was forced... This Pilate's wife, the Bible records, said, Don't have anything to do with that righteous man, Pilate. Last night I suffered greatly in a dream because of him. But the chief priests, verse 20, and the elders persuaded the multitude to ask for Barabbas and to put Jesus to death. Oh, man, the guilt of the religious leaders persuading the crowd to ask for Barabbas and put Jesus to death. Oh, the guilt of their followers. The governor answered and said to them, which of the two do you want me to release? And they said, Barabbas. 22, Pilate said to them, well, what then shall I do with Jesus who's called Christ? They all said, let him be crucified. The depth of the human heart God sends his son into this world. Let him be crucified. It's sobering just to read it. And he said, why? What evil has he done? But they kept shouting all the more, saying, let him be crucified. When Pilate saw that he was accomplishing nothing, but rather that a riot was starting, he took water and washed his hands in front of the multitude, saying, well, I'm innocent of this man's blood. See to that yourselves. 
you can't wash away guilt with water. You can't wash. I mean, this proverbial, we say people try to wash their hands of it. Uh, I, Pilate, stands out as a cowardly evildoer who sentenced Jesus because of politics. You know, I wash my hands of this innocent man's blood. You can't wash away. Although you wash yourself with lye and use much soap, the Bible says, the stain of your iniquity is before me. I know people who think they've washed away their sin with baptism, some sort of water ritual. You can't wash away sin with baptism. Now, the only thing that will wash away sin is the blood of this one who laid his life down for you. The blood of Jesus Christ, John, 1 John 1, 7, cleanses from all sin. Uh, if that were not true, if you could go through some ritual or some dismissal, then God would have never sent his son to the cross. But uh, Pilate tried to disassociate himself. Judas can't get out of it by suicide. You can't atone for your sin by self-mutilation or self-murder. And Pilate, no hand-washing will work either. Without the shedding of blood, the Bible says, Hebrews 9, verse 22, there is no forgiveness of sins. That's why all the blood sacrifices all through the Old Testament were blood sacrifices. When Adam and Eve sinned, they tried to cover up with fig leaves and it didn't work. And then God took an animal and slew the animal and there was a bloodshed and clothed them with that. Now, that didn't wash away their sin. Don't get me wrong. Not just any blood. The book of Hebrews clearly says the blood of bulls and goats doesn't wash away sin. But the blood of the coming one, the lamb that those sacrifices pictured can wash away the worst sin. Praise God. That's why we Christians sing so much. We've got every reason to. Well, all the people answered when Pilate washed his hands, his blood be on us and on our children. Wow. Oh, I hate to read it. Uh, Israel. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. His blood be on us and on our children. Then he released Barabbas for them. But Jesus he scourged and delivered over to be crucified. Scourging was a brutal punishment in and of itself. But that wasn't enough. No. They crucified him. You've been listening to Abide in the Word with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Please stay with us. Pastor Scott will return in just a moment with a preview of our next broadcast. Today's program was titled, Innocence Betrayed, a message from our study of the Gospel of Matthew. If you missed a portion of the message heard on the program today, or you'd like to share it with a friend, head on over to abideintheword.us. A free copy of today's entire message is available there for you to stream or download at your convenience. Something we've been making available as a thank you gift for our listeners are USB flash drives loaded with Bible teaching series in their entirety. So currently, we're offering the entire teaching of the Gospel of Matthew. That's 109 full-length messages, over 50 hours of clear, Christ-centered Bible teaching on this important introductory book of the New Testament. We'd like to make these teachings available to you, our listeners. 
Just make your request along with your gift of any size to the ministry of Abide in the Word. You can do that during regular business hours by calling 503-524-7000 or mail at P.O. Box 19191, Portland, Oregon, 97280. You can simply click on Contact Us at AbideInTheWord.us anytime. We'd love to put one of these valuable resources in your hands. Did you know Abide in the Word is available every day on Facebook? Well, right along with our daily podcast on iTunes and Google Play, our daily messages are posted to Facebook as well. You can find them at facebook.com slash abide in the word. Now, before we end our time today, let's go to Pastor Scott for a preview of our next broadcast. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole Roman cohort around him. They gather everybody around for their wicked, evil fun. And I'll, you'll see what I mean. But they gathered the whole cohort around him. And we're going to see this wicked mockery of Christ that isn't unlike people's ridicule of Jesus Christ and his followers today. Uh, but it's sobering to look at it. But like I say, you're going to see the heart of man, and we'll see the heart of God. Join us again next time as we continue in our study of the Gospel of Matthew. Pastor Scott will bring a message titled, The Crucifixion. Until then, may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. 